going on, man? It's happening. Happy uh, Friday Eve, they call it. <laughs> yeah, man, I had an easy day today. I can't complain, man. Good stuff. I was a little worried about you after reading some of your LinkedIn posts. I was like, play Alex is all right over there in uh, Dispatch World. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything was very controversial, but coming from Matt Dahl, maybe everything is. So. Well, it should be a uh, should be a fun show today. Um, I've known Josh for for a minute, um, and he's got a really cool product, um, you know, specific to uh, the freight industry and the CRM world. Um, Josh obviously came from being a broker, so we'll you know talk on that and what he's doing these days. And um, yeah, it'll be fun. This is the first tech uh, in quotations. Uh, you know, at 31 episodes in that we've done, um, yeah, I'm excited to have Josh be our, our first in that, uh, that field. Like we, I posted about, we're kind of picky in terms of tech people that we have on our show. So uh, I feel like we get blasted pretty hard with guys that want to come on just to sell something. So, I mean, uh, I think being a broker first is kind of a requirement, you know, to, to even be in that industry. So oh, definitely. <laughs> well, uh, let's bring, uh, let's bring Josh in. Oh, we are sponsored too. Before uh, we are sponsored by HD Ships too. Appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, they're in the bottom, uh, bottom right. How's it going, uh, Josh? Alex, Matt, how's it going? Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're uh, we're excited to uh, excited to have you. Um, I guess to kind of just kick it off, you want to give us kind of your background, how you got into freight, you know, what you did, and you know, what you're uh, what you're doing now. Yeah, a little bit of background. I'm. From Atlanta originally, Marietta, Georgia in particular. Um, I live in Nashville right now. I've been here for the past five, six years. Um, I moved up here when I was working for Tesla. I was with them for three years. And then I got into freight brokerage for a company called One Point Logistics, who is owned by Keep Trucking. I got into it just by knowing people that were in it. Um, and, and that opportunity was pretty unique because they were owned by an ELD company. Uh, but that company or One Point doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then I was also head of sales, head of operations um, for Silo. They, they're still in operation right now. They're more of a niche brokerage focused in the open deck space. So um, more so just kind of on, you know, a lot of the, the management side. But my first stint was overseeing account executives, account managers, really focused on the ship for sale side. Um, and then a little bit of everything uh, when at, at the last brokerage that I was at. I mean, I wouldn't call Silo so niche. I mean, I've hauled for them over the years. Um, maybe a dry van load here or there. Yeah. So, and what did yeah, you do? At no. What was kind of your job over there? At Silo? No, no, at Tesla. At Tesla. Oh yeah. So I started. I started with them as a product specialist uh, at Lenox Mall in Atlanta. That location no longer exists, but um, a product specialist essentially. And it was, it was pretty interesting because our location wasn't a mall. And so, you know, yeah. people would walk by the other stores and, and then they see these cars and they're like, what in the hell is this? Um, but I joined them in 2016. So this was before a lot of people even believed EVs. EVs weren't really out on the road besides the uh, like the Nissan Leafs. You know, that was the main thing that you would really, really see out there. And most people just could care yeah, less about the Nissan Leafs. Still, still kind of uh, trying to make a name for themselves back then, for sure. Yeah, they just weren't quite there yet. And um so a lot of my job was just being on the floor and educating people about electric vehicle technology, what it's like to own an EV. Um, all of the Tesla's cars at that at that point were a little bit more on the luxury line. I, luxury may not even be the right word. They were just more expensive. They were just expensive, uh, straight up. They were, <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. They were just expensive. Um, the more affordable version, the Model 3, wasn't out at that point. 
Like, I, I can't even tell you how many times I would say, yeah, it's going to be here in a year and a half, two years. It's going to be here in a year and a half, two years, because there's so much foot traffic that would come into the mall. So are you but, trying uh, to sell, sell them like Tesla's, like the idea of Tesla trying to sell them cars? Like, Yeah, so starting off, it was actually just a capture lead. So get their information, name, email, phone number, um, if they were interested and try to set them up with test drives. And then eventually I got into what they called an owner advisor position. It was really just a sales advisor position where you hosted the test drives, walked through the buying process for the car, whether you're buying it outright, leasing, financing. Um, and then I got into management after after selling. Um, so I, I hopped around a total of three different stores for them throughout my time there. But majority of it was in sales and sales management because I was only the, a product specialist there for six months until I got promoted. I feel like that's a tough way to start in sales, man. <laughs> Trying to sell someone a Tesla in 2016. It's like a $100,000 car, man. Yeah, but it was fun. And I mean, it set me up for success, I think, going forward because you're you're really selling a vision. Like that, that, that was a big part of it. Like you're really selling the future, Some stuff that doesn't exist. It's like, hey, these charging stations are going to be here one day. Um, you will be able to eventually take the car, you know, to this other state or to this other destination. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a little bit challenging, but I, I think that because of how tough it was did set me up for success. And then, I, I mean, as each year went on, it became a little bit easier because more more people were familiar and educated on, you know, EVs and, and in particular Tesla because they're the they're the leader in that space. So not to get too uh, off topic, but what's uh, what's your opinion on autonomous uh trucks or electric trucks i mean you think those are uh you know coming from your time at uh tesla i think eventually i mean yeah i think eventually and i'm a big believer in the autonomous space personally but i just i think it's going to take a long time um and the, and the trucks are going to be really hard because tesla seems that they've struggled with that especially with their semi especially when it comes to actually hauling a load like once you get up to forty thousand pounds that's going to be really challenging i think for an ev so i think there's just a lot of more enhancements that need to be made on, on that front. Um, I do think, you know, it'll eventually happen, but the autonomous driving in particular, I mean, there's just when you even take safety statistics, there's a lot of benefits to that. And especially the more and more that we advance with tech. I mean, you guys have probably seen some of the videos of, you know, Tesla drivers and autopilot, and then some of them have the Apple vision Apple goggles vision on, like, you know, so. <laughs> We, I mean, there's just more and more distractions each year that goes on. And for me, my vote goes more towards autonomous because I think it drastically improves safety. But a lot of that is going to be dependent on infrastructure, the tech itself. I mean, and it's much harder with trucks and how big those vehicles are. Yeah, I think battery tech really comes down to it. Like the the semi EVs, they, they just need better battery tech. And we're just not there yet for it to be efficient. Uh, but I mean, the autonomous thing, I mean, there's two sides of that coin. I think you are right, though. Like, if you just run, like, just pure numbers game, like, you know, they're not, like, it's going to end up being safer if you just do a numbers game. You know? so. Yeah, I, I mean, it, and it is, a, it is a numbers game because it's really easy for them with the tech that's in those cars. I mean, Tesla's got really good tech where they collect all the data pretty much in real time, as far as I know, of miles people are driven, where they're charging when they're in autopilot, when they're not in autopilot. I mean, they have a really good setup to have all the data. You know, if there is an accident, were they engaged in autopilot or were they not? So there's some really cool stuff that they can do to actually bring those stats of, you know, if it if you're engaged in autopilot or not, you know, what's safe or what's not. And when I was there, Elon was just really clear that for it to even get out of beta, that it just needed to be tenfold safer in regards to the amount of miles per accident 
it needed to be tenfold safer for them to get it out of beta. And I, I want to say that they've already achieved that, but it's been a while since I've dug into those stats. So I, I can't tell you right now on that. So, man, how was your, your career as a broker, man? What, what were you handling? You know, what were you doing over there? Yeah. So, again, at the first one, it was uh, uh, all of my experience is actually more so in management within brokerage. So the first uh, when I first joined brokerage, uh, it was kind of a unique opportunity where I came in as the third sales manager um, and, uh, to build a third sales team at one point logistics. And I had to hire my team of 12 from scratch. So it was going to be 12, uh, I'm sorry, six account executives, six account managers. Um, and then they had a carrier sales team um, in the US and Nashville, and then also in Chicago. And then also overseas, they had some ops support. And so with that, you know, I hadn't ever done anything before. So I really just had to drum up a book of business for myself. So it was almost like trying to be cradle to grave to start off with and just building a pipeline, cold calling, calling shippers from scratch. And I didn't have to do that. They actually didn't point me to do that. But for me to effectively coach my team on on the process to actually work to close the shipper, work with the shipper and whatnot, I felt that I needed to learn and go through that experience and feel the pain of cold calling and getting shut down and those sorts of different things. So it was it was a really good experience and it allowed me to learn a lot faster and accelerate my learning. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm uh, like, you know, that I still do some cold calling to this day. I just think it's the fastest way that you can accelerate pipeline. Even on the software side, I do it now. Um, but at that company, we hold a little bit of everything. Like our, my team's two biggest customers, one was in plastic packaging, one was, uh, mattresses. I think those were the two largest that I had that like my specific team managed at that company. Um, a little bit of like drive-in, reefer, some flatbed, hotshot freight, but it was a little mix of everything. Um, and then uh, at Silo, again, I started off as our head of operations. That team in particular for operations, they were kind of a combination of account management, quoting, working to, you know, you know, get more freight on the board. And then also a combination of like what a carrier sales reps, rep does to, to book the freight, um, cover trucks and you know, you're right, Alex, it was, you know, we're very open deck focused. That's a lot of like what we sold to start off with, but it's not to say that like, we didn't haul any drive in stuff. There was very, very minimal reefer freight, if any, but it was primarily like majority open deck with some drive in stuff, sprinter vans, box trucks, that kind of those kinds of different yeah, things. Yeah, I, I hauled for silo, man. I've seen you guys around or I guess I've seen them around. Um, always had a good experience. Never, never had a bad experience with silo. Good. That's good to hear. What, um, uh, what CRM were you using over at uh, silo and uh, what point? <laughs> uh salesforce both both ways okay. yeah and that's what that's what i use at tesla too so um i mean i just saw an opportunity for it to be a lot simpler was really the yeah, biggest thing before we get into it i just want to you know as somebody that's never used one maybe a viewer is going to watch this who's never even heard of the concept i mean like explain it to me like i'm five years old what is a crm why is it more beneficial than using let's say an excel sheet um, you know, just bring us through like the idea of a CRM at its like fundamental level. Yeah. I mean, if you were to simplify it the easiest way, I mean, you can think of it as like a book of your business friends. So, you know, if you have a notebook, you go to somebody, you talk to somebody, like, you know, you jot down their name, their email, their phone number, because like, I mean, you'd have to contact them back. Yeah. Uh, or, if you know, obviously, if you didn't have their information, you know, if you went and talked to somebody about moving their freight or anything of that nature, and if you didn't have their email or phone number, you couldn't get in touch with them again. It makes it really challenging. So um, a CRM is a customer relationship management system. And essentially what it is, is just managing the relationship for your prospects, customers, 
Um, and then even in some cases, you know, support for when customers also have issues. Some of them even have like ticketing systems and that stuff that a customer can submit. And so you can kind of see their whole experience from start to finish or, you know, just pre-sales to post-sales is, is sort of, what, you know, what you can see it. But if you talk about, okay, like what it, what it is, you know, whether you take pen and paper of jotting down somebody's name, email, phone number, or a spreadsheet with their name, email, phone number, and, you know, just like general notes, it's a much easier way to track that information. So if you take pen and paper, if you have a notebook, you're going to have to flip back through the pages to try to find people's information. Yeah, if, I mean, I've been telling my girlfriend, she's really heavy with pen and paper. And uh, <laughs> I've been telling her, I'm like, man, like, I don't think like, I mean, I own a pen and a paper for the occasional grocery list or something. But I mean, I keep my notes in my phone and my computer in one place. Um, I think pen and paper is like, you know, you're, you're not going to be flipping back and back and forth through stuff. So I mean, it's I hard. Really, what's the benefits of a CRM versus I mean, I, I guess most people would just use like a Excel or a Google Sheets. Um, what is a CRM kind of offering like um, that that wouldn't, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you may uh, easier and easier analogy, maybe even like a TMS for you, Alex, of understanding that when you have so many different loads, you know, potentially on your load board that you're trying to cover, or, you know, get a truck assigned to. Um, like, for example, some a lot of people that even start in brokerage sometimes will use Excel as their TMS to start off with to know, you know, origin, destination, equipment type, all the just general stuff. And then even going to billing. I've seen templates online for people that use just templated Excel files or Google Sheets files for their TMS to start off with. But once you start moving a lot of loads, it becomes very hard to track that. And I think it's the same exact situation on the sales side uh, with a CRM. You know, typically, like once you get above, let's just say 20 contacts, it gets really tough to manage. And especially in freight, because when you're it, it's just such a competitive industry, when you call shippers, have you called like I'm just curious, Alex, like have you had experience of like having to call shippers and yeah, yeah. I mean I called call I called <laughs> yeah. shippers what? like to get freight Matt, how many times have I told you this story? I used to be based in New Jersey and there was a company that gave me like a shipper around the corner for me. And we ended up just calling people around us, like, hey, I got seven, eight, nine, ten trucks every Monday here. Like anybody has some freight and I mean, yeah, we found, you know, here and there, uh, some direct freight. I mean, yeah. I kind of forgot that, I guess. But it's a lot easier when you're a carrier because I just tell them, hey, every Monday I have 10 dry vans right here. Like, and that's true. And I'm the carrier. So, I yeah, mean, it's a, a lot less rejection. Like, I mean, I get rejected all the time. Like, hey, we have too much volume. You're too small. I mean, I hear mm -hmm. that every day. So. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of rejection that goes into it. But you also know that it's transportation issues are going to happen. And so there's always going to be times where they may be looking for somebody to help cover them. Or, you know, if you're just very good at servicing that freight, very good with communication service. I mean, I think there's always an opportunity. So that's the reason why people say persistent. But I think the people that are most successful in the industry are just very persistent. And then they do what they say that they're going to do. Um, the challenging part is it's, it's easy for anybody to say like, you know, very tr trustworthy, going to provide high levels of service, but you don't, you can't prove that until you actually do the work. So, you know, I, to me, I think that's like a, a really cool part of the sales process within freight is getting to the point where you can try to demonstrate that you have to do it through the how. And But I think the most effective ones are really good at explaining the how of how they prevent a mispickup or what they actually do in those situations when there are issues. Um, you know, just going into the detail, I think, is, is what separates the, the average from the greats. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my cold calling is like, 
less than 10 a day. Like, you know, like you guys are cold calling. Like I hear it every day. You got to make a hundred cold calls minimum every like, I mean, yeah, if I'm tracking on my Excel sheet, like the seven shippers in this one place in New Jersey, like I'm not going to have a tough time. Um, but I can definitely see it That's getting much easier when you're in the hundreds to maybe thousands of people that you got to keep track of. Then yeah, I, I can find that sheet getting messy, man. Yeah, I would say most brokers, I mean, I don't know. We can get into this later about how many people you should have in your, your CRM. But I mean, I would think, you know, most brokers are somewhere between 100 and 300, you know, depending on how many customers they have and how many they're actively working. And, you know, especially on an Excel sheet, I mean, a lot of shippers have multiple contact persons too. So try inputting that all in an Excel can be, can be a mess. But where, where did the vision kind of come from to open sales dash you know, CRM, were you just, you know, not seeing the benefits with, you know, Salesforce that you were using um, yeah. or what kind of inspired the you know idea to open it? And I mean, maybe just before we get to that, like um, maybe both, did you guys both use Salesforce, like that same CRM? I've used Salesforce, not in the brokerage, uh, brokerage. Uh, okay. like prior I mean, to what the would broker you guys world. say, like, like that piggybacks off Matt's question, like, what would you say are some of the like sort of downfalls of other CRMs? Um, like, like what made you think, Hey, you know, this needs to be better. That needs to be better. I think a lot of CRMs are great. Salesforce actually worked very effectively for me, but there's just a lot of noise and a lot of mess in it where that you, you just really don't utilize. I felt that way. Even when I was at Tesla, it always seemed like it was a system that was better for like really complex commercial real estate deals. Cause there were so many fields that we just didn't use. And I'm like, what in the world, why do we have all this stuff in here when we need like eight of these things? And, um, and in brokerage, it was kind of the same way. But when I came into brokerage, I just realized it was kind of like sort of like what you were saying a little bit earlier, Alex. It was like, hey, make 100 dials a day. But there wasn't really, I think, a lot of thought when it came to sales process um, and also just trying to maximize like, OK, if you're going to make that many dials, how are you going to maximize it? If you, for example, like if you're not taking notes who you spoke with, or even in Matt's other situ scenario where he mentioned like multiple contacts at a shipper. If you don't capture that information, really know about it, you're to me, you're just actually kind of almost wasting time a little bit because you're just not super frequent that you're going to get the business, the first call. And yeah, you're gonna look unorganized when you call back, you have no idea what they said to you on the last call. I mean, I, I, like if I was a shipper, if the bare minimum, you can't even write down what I said to you when we talked two weeks ago. I mean, that's not a good start for, for business relationship. Correct. So I, like to me, that's that stuff goes a long way because that just shows your attention to detail and how on top <laughs> of it that, that you are. But um, yeah, it, it just really was to me, it was a couple of different things. Um, one, I saw other like sales. I saw other sales managers, salespeople that just kind of struggled adopting it. And the workloads of it to me didn't make sense when you, it, it, this is really small and nuanced, but when you first log into the system, you typically see a lot of stuff that's not really useful. Um, dashboards are really complex. You have to typically hire somebody out to build them. People hire people strictly to configure and update the CRM. They'll pay them a full-time salary and sometimes even multiple different people to be admins of these CRMs. Um, and to me, a lot of that sometimes is just unnecessary. So I feel like there's a big area of opportunity to cut that stuff financially. So we just slimmed it down in terms of what you see. There's not a lot of clutter and a lot of mess. We simplified it to where it's templated out of the box for freight brokerages. And then um, 
just, you know, from a salesperson's aspect, from a sales manager's aspect, and then it's just super customizable. So that way you can really make it specific to what you do. And so there are some people in freight brokerage that focus in, in their own niche, you know, throughout the industry. Or if you have your own unique sales process, we just give you a foundation that you can then put your own uh, creative thoughts a little bit more towards it. And it takes a matter of minutes to get all that set up. So that way your, your sales process is streamlined. So you're sort of saying most CRMs are just kind of bloated and not really tailored to, to the brokerage space or freight space. And I mean, I think tools are great, but when you put too many tools in one place and you're not using them efficiently, I think it starts to work against you. So agreed. So how was the process of creating uh, sales dash? I mean, creating, creating tech isn't, isn't easy and, you know, all the different components to creating it. I mean, how, how difficult was it, you know, creating that you know, software, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, that process of just creating the you know, platform. Yeah. So I, I, I don't come from a tech background. I consider myself <laughs> more of a salesperson than a, a tech person. Uh, so I really didn't know where to start. And so it was just kind of a cool adventure to actually see, is this something that's possible to launch? And so I'm kind of just, I, I consider myself more of an action taker than a big planner. I, you know, I, I kind of knew like, hey, I wanted to go build this thing, but I was like, well, all right, let me just go see if I can get it built and then I'll take it step by step from there. So um, I, I had some time where I just networked with a bunch of different software developers, engineers, programmers that were in my network. Um, and to just kind of like simplify the story, I drew out sketches of what I envisioned it on paper. It looked like crap, but, you know, at the end of it, all I did was I found a developer online. I'm sorry, a web designer online that could make it look prettier in a digital form. So that way I can communicate more effectively with developers. Um, I connected with, I technically like interviewed a number of different developers as contractors to start off with just to see if they did good work and if there would be long-term opportunity to, you know, just do full-time work. And um, I just set really clear expectations and kind of the the interviewing process of what I was looking for. Um, but I, I, I hired a front end developer, back end developer, started them off as just contractors. They're full time now, but I've been working with the same guys. And so it's just been taking it step by step from there. But it started off pen and paper, drawing sketches, finding a web designer to, you know, get it digital and then, you know, really figure out how you make it real. And I've learned a ton in the process because I did a lot of things inefficiently from the, from the beginning um, and, and not kind of, you know, being there's technically, you know, what what other people would be labeled at a lot of these tech companies is a product manager, you know, of what you're going to build and, and how you're going to build it and what happens in these scenarios. And there's so many little things that go into building a product. Um, so that was just, it was a big, it was a big, big learning experience for me um, and doing that. And then last year is the year that we pivoted to, to focus solely in freight. Um, how much time? Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. I was going to say, how how was that decision pivoting into freight? So when you originally started Sales Dash, it wasn't meant to be just a freight platform, and that kind of evolved. And what kind of you know, led you to uh, you know, making that decision? Uh, not having success, targeting too many different people, casting a net too wide. I'm, uh, yeah, that's just the truth. Uh, my go to market strategy was really terrible. I thought I could. I, I kind of wanted to just work with small business owners, solopreneurs. Um, of in any kind of industry. I just felt that the system was that simple. But it, to me, it's the concept of when you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. And that was sort of, you know, what we were doing. I I started trying to get a little bit more focused with three to four different industries, freight being one of them. Um, 
and like uh, I mean, I'm very honest about it, but it just got to a point where I was like, all right, I, I really have to figure out if how how we're gonna make this thing successful. So I had to just get very niche. Freight was what I probably understood best at that time. Um, and it was able to just have more easy, seamless conversations with people that were in freight brokerage. And so it really just actually started with the platform that we had. I strictly was prospecting marketing only out to freight brokerages for a, a small period of time, started to actually like build some traction. And I was like, okay, this is great. And then this is the true story, but, um, TIA's capital ideas conference was being marketed last year. And I was like, oh, okay, there's going to be a ton of brokers that are, that are going to be out there. So I started to throw this in on my calls to see if people were going to be there. And I actually built a contact list of people that were going to be there. And then I eventually just bought a ticket and went out there. And I saw that the majority of the companies that were out there that were at least tech vendors were TMSs. Um, there's a, there's way more TMSs out there than yeah, I thought. Dude. Everyone's um, a TMS, bro. Like I swear to God, every tech company is just like, oh, I got this new TMS coming out. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and then just talk, there's a ton of TMSs, a lot of ones that I, I had never heard of, but it was, it was cool to see how everybody was trying to pick their little corner in the market. And, um, but there was no CRM vendors. So that was one of the areas where I was like, okay, there's enough to, to play out here. And this is only so many people that are here at this conference. There's 1900 people there at the conference. Um, but I just had a lot of good conversations that energized me and, and just knew, okay, this is the direction that we needed to go. So the following month or two, I just rebranded everything focused in freight and just switched the product development to say, okay, let's build everything from here on out specific to freight. So, um, and we, we've had a lot better traction since that time. You know what I kind of find funny about the story, though, is at the start, you're like, hey, um, the CRM has too much stuff for, for what I'm doing for this Tesla job. And then you go to build a CRM, but you didn't, like, focus it in, you know, from the start on one thing. So I think yeah. it's just like, kind of funny, funny, like, you know, you set out with a goal. And then, you know, it took you a little bit to, to get to the point where, like, hey, you know, what? we're going to laser focus one sector and we're going to do it that way. So. Yeah, I so I guess, and I'm I'm thinking about it now that you're even saying that. But I guess the reason why I thought I should, and th I think this is typical entrepreneurship stuff too. A lot of people think that they got to go build the stuff to compete with the largest companies in their space. So for me, you know, it's Salesforce, it's HubSpot, there's Zoho that's out there, PipeDrive, whoever it may be. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to do things to compete, you know, directly with them. And it, sure, I compete with them every single day. Um, but it's not that it, it was getting to an area where it's like, OK, it, I don't have to be the number one player like CRM for all industries. Yeah. Um, and like, it just takes a lot of time. But you think and, and I know I'm not alone in this, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I think that they start businesses and they think they got to get to that level versus knowing like, hey, and it's just, you know, just like freight, too. Right. Like you could run one equipment type and have a really successful book of business um, or mode or anything of that nature. Uh, and so. I, I think it was just learning from experience and 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 kind of falling into the traps that a lot of other entrepreneurs do of like, oh, I got to go try to tackle the world. And uh, it's it's just, just sounds it's funny super... in reverse, you know, when you're telling your story yeah. and thinking about it. In reverse, it sounds funny. And it's like in freight, every broker comes on here and is like, hey, like, don't be a jack of all trades, niche down, niche down, you know, mm -hmm. be good at one specific thing. And, you know, it's cool that you, you like you said, this is the space I want to be in CRM space. And I think with, with anything, like let's say you start, you know, a podcast, like oh, I want to be as big as that big podcast, or, you know, I want to start the CRM and compete with the big guys. But uh, I think if you're just kind of niche down, which you've decided to do, I mean, if you can just dominate that one space, just be the best you can in that space. Yeah. You know? 
right. how, how, how was changing the the platform? We decided to go specifically to freight. Did you make software changes, you know, to gear the platform more to freight? Or like if we have, you know, a lot of freight brokers are probably going to watch this. May, our, main, our main audience is sales reps. So, um, you know, what, what would you say like in your CRM is like, specific to um you know the freight industry now that you made that pivot yes i mean the first thing is you're just going to see a lot less stuff uh and (laughs) and and yeah it's just it's just the truth and some people will be like well i don't know if that's great but then you know a lot of people say they want a simple system and then they start to just build stuff more and more and more um but you are going to see less less things like less stuff less fields when I, you know, when people screen share with me in their CRMs, there's a lot of fields that they just skip that they don't. You're just like scrolling all the way through to get stuff complete. And our system, a lot of it is just done through, I would say, one view. But um, I mean, our, our, our dashboard's already built out to, you know, show you your shipper leads, um, have your pipeline on there. You can see statuses by, you know, account statuses. The pipeline's already built with like more freight broker specific stages. I won't get into that because that, that to me is like a whole... I don't know, five or 10 minute topic, but um, there's things where, you know, keep track of shippers that you haven't contacted in the past 10 days. We help our, our, our task manager basically helps prevent missed follow-ups as follow-ups are one of the most important components for, or just really one of the most important parts to, to stay in front of shippers. Um, and then in the account pages, it's very simple to capture a multitude of different contacts within a shipper you know, for the times where you're trying to figure out who the decision maker is or in the situation where they do have multiple facilities that they ship out of. And, you know, there's unique contacts that tender out their own freight. There's a shipper info area that is already built in basically when you start and start a free trial or anything, but that helps you kind of build the shipper profile. So what do they do? What equipment types do they move? What modes? What's their average volume? Um, You know, you can mark any pain points like that kind of stuff. And we also just added a carrier side to the CRM too, because we also found, um, you know, some some people manage just strictly within the TMS, but even, I mean, everybody uses a TMS, but we still find some brokerages where carrier ops reps, uh, they'll have their top preferred carriers or their highest volume carriers in a spreadsheet, you know, where they like to run, what their equipment is, what their fleet size is, that kind of stuff. Um, And if it's in unique databases for, or just like unique sheets for every single rep at the company, you have to basically go almost like one by one or, you know, message your whole group. And so with this, we're just basically bringing it into the platform. Um, so that way, you know, if you're looking for a, a carrier, like within a specific market, you can, you can go and search and find it. If you're asking them their preferred lanes um, or vice versa for your shippers, you can capture the lanes that shippers tell you that they move or that they're having you quote. So that way it's really easy to search your database, not only from your customers, but also your prospects. And we see a lot of value in that because, in other CRMs, you'd have to just type it in as a note, but there's no easy way to go and access that information. If somebody told you, you know, that, hey, we moved freight out of Peoria, Illinois, but if you lost that quote and, you know, down the road, if you have a carrier that's looking for freight out of that area, um, it's probably something that's gone from memory for you to be able to access again. Are you integrated then with some TMSs right now, or are you um, kind of like a, a separate um, you know, I, I've actually tested out your product. I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, but I didn't know Do if you that see was less like, stuff in it, Matt. Is it is it like, did you see less stuff compared to the other CRMs that you've used? Yeah, way less stuff than Salesforce for sure. Um, where are you guys integrating it with with different um, TMSs, or it's just kind of uh, mainly separate right now? No, we plan to integrate with the TMSs here pretty soon. So we've been wanting to develop a little bit more. 
um, on the lane side and kind of build the infrastructure in the CRM to be able to do that. Really, I mean, the only way that you could integrate with a, let's just say like an existing or generic CRM would probably be just from a reporting standpoint. Um, but a lot of CRMs don't do that. And there'd be a lot more technical custom work that would go into that. But it also is from a reporting standpoint, it's not necessarily going to be, you know, like data and insights that would help a broker <clears throat> cover more freight, I would say. Like it's just reporting on revenue, margin, total shipments. Um, so with what we're trying to do is basically have the historical lane data. And we've been working to kind of build the infrastructure to have it in the CRM. And we've just recently gotten into a pretty good spot where we feel more comfortable to start looking at more of the TMS integrations here in the in the very, very near future. Would you recommend like how people use it now? Like, I mean, a lot of brokers have, you know, three monitors, you know, <laughs> like their email on one, their TMS on the other, and then their, you know, sales dash or the CRM on the other. How do you find most people are, you know, utilizing your, your platform? I mean, I think one of those things is going to go, it's going to be dependent upon, you know, how your brokerage model is set up. Are you cradle to grave? Are you split model? And then what are your areas of focus? Uh, because if you're very heavily involved in ops, I mean, you're going to be heavily within the TMS. And, you know, if you're just like a very, if you're just a hunter and you're just very focused on going to find new freight, working with new shippers, then you're going to be very CRM focused. Um, so I think it actually just kind of depends on the wave of your day. Like, do you have loads on the board or, you know, do you have, there's going to be days where you've got a lot more going on and you got to be very ops focused. And there's going to be days where, your board's pretty clear and some people will be playing ping I pong. Mean, some people will be making phone calls. It's kind of like, Hey, what monitor do you put your email on? Like, I mean, bro, no, but I mean, I think the reason I asked that question yeah. is like, so I was a cradle to grave rep and we use, we use McLeod. So I had mm -hmm. to be in operations, but also doing sales, um, you know, at the same time. So like we had, you know, McLeod had a CRM so I could pull that up and have my, you know, loads that I need to cover and everything on like the same, type of screen and then could have my email and then could have Google on the, on the other, cause cradle of grave rep, you kind of have to be in both. So that's why I was curious about the, you know, integrations when I integrated to the TMS, if it would be like a part, so you kind of do with it, like some of these TMSs that also have you know, CRMs built into it, if that's making sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would still, it'd still be in a different screen. It's just that, you know, the T the TMS would just have very limited, CRM features most of the time. Like we we work with a number of different companies that like have used on on a website, or is this its own program? Because I used one TMS and it was like its own at the bottom, like uh, like its own program, and that was a disaster. Mm -hmm. And then I used the TMS where it was just a tab on my Google. Like how how does your CRM like like is it yeah, a program just, or is it just on, on the internet? Like it, yeah, it's just on the internet. It's cloud based. Yeah, it's like, it's you, you basically just get your own yeah, URL just, once you sign yeah, up. You just click a button, bro. You just go to the yep. tab. Like, I, mean, I don't yep, think you can like access it from your phone be, and all that stuff. I don't see like it being make or break. Like, oh, it needs to be inside my TMS. Like, you just click a tab and you click a tab. Like, I was uh, just curious. I was, I mean, I know there's so many. Yeah, 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 no, I just don't mm -hmm. see that being like a huge, like, must, like, must integrate type of thing. Um, I might be wrong, though. I mean, it's not like I use a CRM. So you guys got me into this because you were saying I added carriers, like a carrier ability to track your best carriers. And uh, you made me laugh because this is my CRM for brokers um, that I actually <laughs> use. Like, this is like where I keep all my best brokers. Uh, I just Maybe thought you I could use Sales Dash. 
Uh, Alex, just so, like what makes you highlight them purple though? Like when do they turn purple compared to pink or yellow? Uh, purple is like um, the the best ones. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of that before people get mad at me. But yeah, that's my uh, that's how, how I run my business. Hopefully, no go. one zoomed in on that, Alex, and saw the names. Nah, those are all those are all great. Those are my best brokers. Eh? Come on, that's my contacts. That's my my CRM. Man. That's my best people. That's can, can wow, that's incredible. So maybe this, uh, look into to adding a, a like four carriers to put brokers and track, you know, the the monthly. Because I, mean, I worked in a huge company, and I had an account for our, our carrier company, and it was like bro, five to fifteen loads. So it was like we just had a sheet. But I can mm -hmm. see like a huge carrier like that should be beneficial. Because I know, bro, every carrier I ever worked at, it's Excel, it's it's Google Sheets. Right nobody's using a CRM and I think that would be beneficial. Like this broker gave me this many lanes. These were the lanes I could see a use case for, for larger brokerages or larger. I carriers. <coughs> no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, my Google sheets are cool though. I'm a, I'm a just kind of stay over there for that. <laughs> what, uh, what would you say like the biggest, um, you know, obviously I guess maybe talk about the beginning sales process of this. I mean, do you remember your, you know, first couple of customers? I mean, what were some of the biggest, you know, objections you got back then, or you still get that you have to overcome, um, you know, when you're talking to, you know, brokerage owners, or I guess maybe objections is the wrong word, but misconceptions or I guess objections too. I mean, kind of just talk about, you know, the sales process. Uh, tech sales. Never, never heard oh, of tech sales. Yeah. So selling sales, that's the brokerages. Yeah. Man, so I mean, everybody when you, when you call them thinks that you're trying to convert them over that day. That's one of the biggest <laughs> things that, that I've noticed, and I have a very clear understanding that I'm not going to move people over that day, that week, most likely that month. But for some reason, they're always just like, "Now it's not a good time," which I know it's not a good time right now, especially let alone for CRM because a lot of people. Don't I like already paid. About. I already paid. My subscription's gonna not not run out for another ninety days. Or right yeah exactly or hey it's not up for another six months or so which which is understandable but um it, it's it's just basically just trying to slow down the conversation so i mean that's one of them is that they think that you're trying to convert them over that day yeah, like high pressure sales tactics <laughs> yeah but i, I mean I, I think that just becomes because like that's just what they're used to you know is it has to be other software companies or providers that are calling them and basically just trying to probably like offer them some crazy discount or something to convert them over as soon as possible, which I, it's just totally so opposite from my approach. Like my approach is always just to, I, I want to learn more about what they do, how they do it, just in one, make sure if we're even a good fit. Um, and then two, especially in the brokerage world, like I'm just trying to educate them that, hey, we're a more freight brokerage focused CRM. You know, I pride myself really big time on customer support and responsiveness. Um, and our product continuously gets better week by week. So I'm trying to get them to understand that I do think that, you know, this is a simpler, more affordable option compared to the options that are out there and we get really good feedback on it. And so, um, yeah, you know, that, that part has been one of the things a lot of people just be like, oh, right now it's a current situation, you know, um, just market conditions, like not in the budget, but depending on your company size, I mean, especially if you're over 10 users, I think that we typically would save companies a lot of money, um, you know, for their CRM if they were above 10 users. 
because it's just the other large generic ones, I mean, they get really expensive after certain tiers or based on certain features and, and all those things. Um, so sometimes like they just jump into that assumption, like, hey, market conditions are really bad. Just let's talk, when, you know, market conditions flip. Um, but there's actually yeah, a potential area for the money. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to save them money, but also like, hey, this is a sales tool for you to hopefully go make more money. You know, there should yeah, be a exactly. lot of ROI with this tool. Um, so and it's not I mean, that expensive either. I mean, I don't know. We haven't really talked about your price, but I mean, your your price compared to other CRMs is on the cheaper side. Correct. Yeah. So just like any other sales, though, and you know, if you're a freight broker selling to a shipper, it's just about trying to you know slow the conversation down if possible. And I'm very understanding that you know it's going to work out for some people, and some people are willing to listen, and then some people aren't. Like that's just the nature of sales, but. It's just, you got to always keep it moving and, and find those that are interested. Man, I feel like your approach is sort of just planting a seed. Like, hey, this is my Correct. company. This is what we do. Think about us. You know, let me tell you a little. Like, I just, I can imagine, though, like somebody calling somebody and be like, I'll give you three months free if you sign today, right? Like, you know, like just some high pressure forcing. Correct. Back like, I mean, I can see that happening. Like, uh, it I for think sure does. Like, right approach because that would scare me off immediately like i had actually um one company tried to sell us like um an ai dispatching tool and she's like hey come look at this it'll book loads for you and i looked at it and i was like eh, i don't know about it she goes you gotta sign up today today and i'm like bro no so that, i mean yeah that today. like i just heard about this give me a, give me a little bit to think about it like, <laughs> so. yeah that proves it right there so i mean i guess they are doing the high pressure tactics and it's uh, i'm sure sometimes it works but it, i don't know she's never worked for me in my career so i i, I just don't you resort just to that seem kind like of stuff. a chill guy like you don't seem like the kind of guy that's gonna come in like hot you know i mean i don't know you regarding your business but i would assume you're pretty much the same person you are right now 100 percent. at least i think i mean i would say so and you know i've got <laughs> other customers that can probably attest to it but yeah i mean if you end up just going a different route or if you're just happy with what you have i mean I'm happy for you. Like, it's okay. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of you. options. Yeah. There's a lot of options that are out there. And so I, I get excited about the partnerships with those that are very driven for growth and like really want to dive into the system and, um, you know, change the course, you know, with, you know, making sure that their sales process is streamlined and basically trying to earn the opportunities with more shippers and, and to expand their, their books. So, um, those that dive into it hard, like I, I collaborate pretty, I, I would say, deeply you know where needed especially in the early days when they're first getting started with the system yeah, kind of talk about that some of your uh you're not by name obviously but i mean maybe what some of the feedback you've gotten for customers or some success stories of using uh sales dash you know crm i'm, I'm sure there's some people watching are like well what happens when we sign up you know what are what's the support level you know i guess talk about the customer experience and some of the things uh you've heard yeah, we um, we just posted a testimony today that was that was really awesome. Like I like that it's that kind of stuff that that makes me really like happy and remember like gives me my why why I do what I do. Um, but they just talked about you know the responsiveness and and I think a lot of that's just because I come from a freight brokerage that was very focused on time sensitivity and trying every you know trying to respond to everything within fifteen minutes. Um, so part of that's just like kind of in my nature, but also from Tesla too. Um, but in like, you know, we had one company that talked about that they had a record month pretty much in their second month of using it. And a lot that uh, I, I get really 
I get pretty good consistent feedback about just the user friendliness and simplicity of the system, for, especially for those that came from other CRMs. Um, just in regards to them using it, they typically pick up on it pretty quickly. The one thing that sometimes can be a challenge just because it's a new system is getting the leads imported. So if you have a spreadsheet of you know, 200, 500, 2000 leads, however many, many it may be, it is a rather simple process, but sometimes it's new, like like importing can take a little bit of time for people. So just for us, like we'll take that off your plate if needed uh, at the beginning, just to get you set up. Um, just so, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, hopefully like we have everything in there and you can just basically start selling. Like you have all your data from your spreadsheet, all of your leads are in the system in every salesperson's name and you're good to go. Um, but in general, like get pretty good feedback on the support responsiveness and then just the simplicity. And I don't know, it's, I, it's one of those things, honestly, I'm not always like, I love talking about because I'd rather people just talk to customers about it and, and hear from them that actually use it. Are you uh, talking about exporting into there? Are you, uh, I know you and I talked about this. Are you still looking into uh, doing it where you can type it in, like type in, uh, I don't know, Cisco US foods, and then it will like, be integrated with Google, where if you just click it, it'll go immediately into the uh, CRM. Yeah, that's on our board to look at. We already actually did some research on that. So I appreciate you uh, bringing that up and, and mentioning that. But um, we haven't implemented that yet, but it is something that we would like to do. So that way that the data can just like pull in a lot faster if it's if it's matching the right company that you're searching for adding into the CRM. Are there any other uh, you know big things you guys know you're constantly uh, it's one thing you know, I, I know Josh pretty well, and he's constantly thinking of ways to improve his system. And, um, you know, and that's one thing I think why you've seen some, you know, really fast success. And what are some other kind of things you're looking at of, you know, possibly, you know, doing in the future, if you, you know, any potential customers, you know, watching or current customers about, you know, what the you know, new stuff you might have on the horizon? Yeah, so we just did a release, um, for some more stuff on the carrier side to expand searches based on a, a mileage band and radius. Um, we updated some stuff with like our charts uh, for like call reports and those kinds of things. We like two of the biggest pieces of feedback that we got late last year that we implemented at the beginning of the year were a shot clock um, to like automatically unassigned leads if they weren't actively being prospected and, you know, just basically dormant. Um, so we had implemented that based on just customer feedback. We, what else is new? Um, there's a bunch of like, like really small stuff. We just updated a lot of stuff on importing to provide a better import history of like what successfully goes in the CRM, what fails. But the stuff that I'm excited about, we're building custom reports for carriers here pretty shortly. And then really after that, there's some other smaller little things, but a lot of it's gonna be very focused on integration with other freight tech tools with TMSs being at the top of the list. So, um, you know, we've already kind of like reviewed some API docs for some of the tools that are out there. We've had some conversations with others, but we've been just kind of wanting to get the system to have a really clean kind of infrastructure and foundation to be able to to go towards that. And so some of the stuff will be with TMSs, carrier tools, and then just some other freight tech tools, maybe on like pricing, quoting, that kind of stuff that, that we're pretty excited about. But we're going to stay in our lane as a, as a CRM and we're going to just work to integrate with the others that are really good in the space that that they're really good at. It's nice you have control too. I mean, you see a lot of you know tech companies, and nothing wrong with this, but a lot of them have a lot of VC money, and they're you know at the mercy of what the investors want done and what other people done. But I mean, mm -hmm. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you're hundred percent, you know, bootstrapped. It's, you know, what you want to do with the product and based on the feedback and what you get, you have full ability to change or do anything. Yeah. We're hundred percent bootstrapped. So we don't have investors to kind of like lead us one way or another, be, get crazy on pricing or, you know, even do what Alex was mentioning earlier of like offer discounts. Like we have to hit X quota by this quarter or this month. Uh, we don't have to do all that kind of stuff. So to me, it's really nice because there's no overly aggressive sales tactics that we have to do. It does not matter if somebody, you know, onboards or subscribes by end of month, end of quarter. You know, it, it's just depending on the time that that they are, are ready to go, essentially. And then for us, it's our job to try to make that process as seamless as possible. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to simplify every single week is, is how can I make that just easier and provide better support there? And you do have too. I mean, you kind of um, you have a free trial, right? So people can go on there and try it and see, you know, kind of prove your your product, you know, before people you know have to pay and sign up. Correct. Yep. We do a fourteen day free trial, and if you sign up for the free trial, there's a very good chance that I will call and email you. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what is your retention? Or I guess go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, no, you go first because mine's sort of unrelated. So. Like, well, <laughs> no, I- I was just I mean, curious, related, but it, your your retention rate on the free trial question is probably much more directly related. Yeah, I was just gonna say how, what percent. I mean, obviously not the math, but I mean, are you seeing that it's pretty large percent that sign up for free trials become you know become customers? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I would say it's realistically because I actually don't know what the exact percentage number is. I probably should know that number. Um. I try not to pay attention to that. Honestly, like my main focus is to pay attention to the people that are actively really looking for a CRM and thinking about it pretty thoughtfully versus just like just poking around um, is really the biggest thing. So I just I, I really just pay attention to it more so by the ones that are like really engaged in the system versus it was kind of just like flavor of the day, pain point in the moment or, oh, this seems really cool, but, you know, not really consistent with calls or, you know, activity and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I really, I don't know. It's probably not the best answer to not even like say like, oh, it's this percentage. I'd probably say it's just like, I mean, it's like Shark Tank, man. Like they would slaughter you for not knowing that number, but you didn't come on here with you know pre preconceived questions. Uh, you didn't come in this prepared with every percentage number of your company. I, mean, I don't think it's yeah. bad too. I mean, he's just focused on, you know, other, yeah, just other things. On, on those numbers aren't, aren't relevant necessarily. Yeah providing people that are interested with you know like support for being interested i mean i think like you said that's a number like if i was you i wouldn't really worry about it either like you know the people that want to be a part of of what you're doing um you know that's the people you got to focus on so yeah yeah because there's i mean some people like you know they can put in some fake data um so it can be hard to get a hold of them and yeah, I, I mean, like, sure, that could be a good number to really focus on. But I mean, there, there's so many nuances, especially in software. So for example, like we charge by the seat, you know, per user. So like, especially for those that are teams, like those are the more impactful deals for us. And, you know, I, I definitely like work to keep a good track in terms of us, like why we win or lose those specific deals. Um, but overall, like, I feel I feel really good about the direction. And we've had a really strong first two, two months of the year so far. I got this question for you. I mean, I have two of them. I don't know which one to start with, but uh, me and my buddy got into like kind of an argument about um, that whole DAT power, DAT one thing. 
and we kind of both chalked it up to like the interface you know and like how much time did you spend like would you say in a percentage of this entire product just focusing on making it look pretty because we were saying like i don't care what it looks like i just want it to work man yeah. right i mean that was honestly a day one thing i'm i'm really big on design and interface i'm i'm huge on that um i'm the primary user for the crm uh, like i'm yeah so i use it every single day including weekends um, wait so you use your crm to prospect customers for your crm yeah i love i mean it's good because like i i find i find bugs i find issues I'm my own like, best oh. user. <laughs> yeah exactly so i know you know there's certain things that i like and i don't like and if i don't like it you know i can obviously make those recommendations if it's faster if it's not um i can That's figure out you know when stuff's yeah. going wrong so yeah no design design to me is really important and i think a lot of people underestimate but i will say i and I, look, I don't come from like building software and all that kind of stuff. Like no, I, I truly, I come more from like sales and operations and the way that I use, I, I would just say they're like from a framework aspect, the way that I think about sales and operations and to try to simplify it as much is I think the best process is to always think about your most complex customer. So like who's at, at Tesla, it was like, what is the most complex deal that I'm going to have to manage? And then, you know, in freight brokerage, I would just. I would say like, you know, the most complex potential customers that, that could be out there and like, what would it take to try to simplify that process or that buying experience? Um, and so when it comes to developing software, that's what we think about. And I, I tell my developers this all the time. It is never about you guys, like us speeding up time of development to get this out faster. It's what creates the best user experience. And that's always the answer. So like I don't have to ask the question anymore, but I'll just always like some, I used to have to tee up the question all the time. Well, what's the best user experience? It doesn't really matter how much time it takes us to do this. What's going to, you know, prevent less clicks. What's going to, you know, take less time to get the stuff done. And I do think that that's what's helped drive the, the, the feedback that we've gotten on the user friendliness and the simplicity of the system. And when we do go to build new things, like we're always thinking about it from just the easiest use case possible um and from the most complex situation as well and we don't get it perfect every time but i will say it's also one of those things where you're never going to get it perfect you have to sort of eventually get stuff out there and really see what works what doesn't because one of the things i did learn early on is everybody uses the system different like the way that i would use the system different is going to be much different probably than the way matt would use the crm is different the way that you would use the crm alex so i, I like that's that's one of the bigger challenges with software is they're all designed to do things a certain way, but you will find users use it very uniquely. Well, I mean, to add to that, man, like we used to have fights about this. So when I was in a big office, like the guy to the left of me had his email on the right monitor, uh, you know, one right. of my friends had it on the left. And we're, like, we're all using the same things, you know, credit check, DAT, email, and maps. And every person in that office is using the tabs different. So, I mean, I think with, with that software, you know, like being customizable, like, like I used the TMS and I wanted to drag like uh, my load number list from the top left box and I wanted it to be in the bottom right because that's where like my mouse was usually and I, mm -hmm. I just wasn't allowed to do that, you know. And to me as right. a user, I'm like, dude, they're all like made boxes. I should be able to just drag this one over there, like an app on your phone and like that's, you know, like it just seemed so easy to me. And I think like you said, everyone's going to do everything slightly different. Yeah. Um, I do think the one thing though, and I don't, I will say, cause like, I'm not a, I don't have a DAT license right now, but I, I saw just conversation online just in regards to that. 
And I, I don't know what the new interface looks like. I do know that it's just like when a new iPhone comes out or something that people can complain about it. But I do think listening to your customers is really important. And if something wasn't broke, not to break it. Um, like some some designs just work, you know, like the big pin has not changed since that's not know, even the early 1900s, them, bro. Just any company like you can look at any major company like the users are telling you, like, this is what we want. And then the company just turns around and does something like I think you can look at almost every major company in the past five years and find the case where like the, the fan base is telling them this is what we like. And then right. they turn around and do not that thing. I think just like listening to your user, man, that's the people that are using your product. Like why are companies not listening to, to the users, you know? Right. Do you yeah, hear it's... from your customers at kind of varying levels? Like some customers you hear from often on the product and some just use it and keep signing up, but you don't hear from them very often. Yeah. There's <laughs> one. No, seriously. Yeah. There's one I haven't heard from in probably like a year, you know? So <laughs> Um, they're still using it they're still paying every month and yeah yeah they're still they're still they're still actively using it um got no questions bro we love your product thank you just peace never talk to you <laughs> fantastic you know that works so that's good and and you know so at this point it's just like hey there's going to be more enhancements hopefully it doesn't slow you down from what you previously did but we take that into consideration to make sure that that doesn't happen but um yeah some are super engaged kind of throughout but at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a sales tool, prospecting tool. So a lot of people for them, they just got to be focused on sales and prospecting. And, um, you know, we just got to make sure that we iron out the bugs whenever they do pop up, you know, if they do pop up and, um, you know, just be able to support them if they're trying to segment leads a certain way or run a report a certain way um, or, you know, get an import done. Like we just got to be there to support. And, and we try to do a little bit faster because we know, you know, time is money, especially when it comes to sales. I got a kind of question might be, Maybe no one's ever asked this, but I just thought about it because you're hearing so much about cyber theft lately and, mm -hmm. you know, things, things of that nature. Do you ever get asked like about the security of sales dash CRM or about the yeah. you know, protection? Is that a common question or did that just kind of randomly pop up in my head? No, it's, it's not, it's not an uncommon question. It's a good question to ask. I mean, most people should be asking it in the buying process. And a lot of that just goes into, you know, the, I guess just like your tech stack, the tools that you're using and how you're considering, you know, building the tech that you are building um, and then just staying up to date with security protocols and stuff. Um, one of the good parts is like my girlfriend lives in the security and compliance space for tech companies. So like oh, they nice. prospected out to me, you know, before we even started dating. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I hear a lot of that just from talking to her. She's an SDR manager in that space. Wait, um, you met your girlfriend because you needed to know about security for the CRM? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's what I thought. I was that's what I thought too. No, but it did help because one of my good friends, <laughs> uh, it, it did help because like one of my good friends' girlfriends was in that space. And so I knew about it just randomly from that. And then when I met her, she was trying to kind of like softball exactly, uh, you know, what she did. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what I think I know exactly what you do. And I mentioned SOC 2 is what it's is what it's called. Um, it's a framework in, in that space. And she's like, yeah, how do you know that? It's just the most random thing for a person to know. But it's just because I knew somebody that was in it and also because I'm in software. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about that. Matt's right. Like that question is crazy. Like you throw in all your leads and somebody just comes in and steals your whole like book of business, like lead list. Yeah, yeah. customers, everything. Like, yeah. I just watched that movie. Um, What's it called? That selling movie, man. Uh, with the, the papers, they all get leads. It's an older movie. Uh, 
Matt, come on. How you don't know that movie's name? I, I don't know which one you're referencing. Oh. <laughs> I wish I had time to watch more more movies, but I... Man, it's, I the, it's Boiler Room and then the other one. Like uh, Those are like the two famous selling... Anyways, I'll figure it out. Long story short, the guy steals like physical leads from a box in this guy's office. I just thought about Yeah, this is like the modern day version of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so people used to use a Rolodex and it's just like a little spinning ring of just cards of people's information. Yeah, so security is good. You guys definitely took that into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's important. And I mean, whether it's CRM, TMS, you know, any of that, any of that data or information, um, that that stuff's always going to be important. I mean, honestly, for me, like, um, what like was this kind of just like a one day decision you woke up and you're like you know what like i'm gonna start a crm i'm gonna quit being a broker was this sort of something that kind of sat with you a couple months years like you know like how, how did that moment go for you uh so i always knew i wanted to start my own business it was just a matter of what i knew yeah, it even no when i was at tesla yeah like my goal was not to climb the ranks at tesla i i had gotten promoted i don't know like three different times in a year and a half to two years and that's impressive three or four times in a year and a half wow yeah so that was um i don't know it was a really good experience but it was, i just always wanted to start my own thing like, to me especially when you're i don't know to me like when you're selling it's just about learning uh just the different little departments and you know nuances i guess of starting a business and sure some of it's not not fun to to, to necessarily do but i always knew i wanted to do that and then um, it was really when one point shutdown was, was when I just said, okay, I think it's time for me to really like dive in and figure out what, would I want to start? I had some money that was saved up that I was either going to go, you know, invest in some real estate or just keep saving my money to start a business. Um, I, I ended up not wanting to invest in real estate, at least at that time. Cause I just thought little house prices in Nashville were a little bit too high. And then I just wasn't ready to like spend the time to get a vacation rental set up and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just that. And then I, I I, just truthfully say, as weird as it is, CRM was just the one thing that I felt was a big strength of mine that I just understood and knew at a deeper level. But I just felt that could be a lot more simplified. And then it was just exploring and taking the action to say, OK, what do I need to do um, to go get it done? And that first year I learned I learned a lot and um, I burned, a, a, you know, a decent amount of money and a lot of time. But it's also one of those things where. You, you know, some of the stuff like you got to learn by doing and I, I'm willing to take the risk. And it was always one of those things where like, hey, if it didn't work out, you know, just you can go so get another right job as a sales Tesla manager, work. you know. Yeah, exactly. Go back to Tesla. So or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we're, if you don't we're, take we're in, good in life, you'll never know. You know. So. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to touch, too, because Josh and I have talked about this a lot. But I mean, marketing, you know, how have you kind of got your name out there? Because um, I mean, you've you know, growing a lot on LinkedIn, you put some good, you know, content out there. I, I know you get a lot of, you know, inbound, inbound stuff too. talk a little bit about kind of how you've gotten the name of, you know, sales dash uh, you know, out there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, number one, it starts by posting semi consistently. That, that's a big piece of it. Um, I think it's a simple concept that you can't really sell anything unless people know who you are, you know, and what you do. And so you have to build that familiarity. Um, I think there's a, you know, you also have to have the really big rule that people aren't just going to see your stuff once and, and really buy it. It's going to take a long time. And there's also a big trust factor. And so for me, you know, the way that I 
approach marketing is that I think there's a big educational aspect to it um, where I feel that I can just help people, whether they use sales dash or a different CRM and, or, or just, you know, there's a big sales aspect that goes into it. So for me, I just like to talk about those things. And I've been a sales manager, you know, at, for, in a multi, in, you know, di multiple industries, different teams, I've coached different sales reps, I've done a lot of hiring. So I've just seen a lot of different things. I've, I've worked with people that have unique sales processes, very successful sales reps as well. And so, um, you know, when it comes to the content, it's, it's from some of those teachings, it's from doing, you know, and like my process today and in, in using the CRM. Um, but just, I, I, I try to do it more from an educational standpoint, more than just like, we do, we have these features by our product. I, I try not to, I don't know, that's just my approach. I try not to be that person. I think education and also just giving is, is um, a, a better way to, to build trust um, and like establish some kind of relationship for somebody that may not know who you are. I mean, I think honestly, man, from talking to all of these, uh, all of these kind of agents and freight brokers that are doing cold calls, like, I feel like you've literally just applied the how to talk to shippers to like customers for your CR. I'm going to build a relationship. It's not going to be a deal on the first call. Like every right. single one of those freight brokers selling tips is like, I feel like it's exactly how you've kind of modeled your approach with the CRM tool. Um, Cause I mean, that, that's true. Like people want to buy stuff from people. They want to deal with people and nobody right. wants to just get pitch slapped and like you forcefully close in the first three minutes of knowing somebody. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, the other part too is, is like, I get sold to, I get try people try to sell to me every single day. You know, like my title is a founder uh, for a tech company. So I fall under the, the founder, I, I label myself a founder. I don't like the CEO title that much, but I just like, just as a founder in software. So, if, you know, if people go in their Legion tools and they're looking for software founders, I'm going to pop up. So I get all these inbound emails and I use that as education for myself of like, what hits home to me? Like what would make me want to engage with that person and what makes me not want to? It's so clear when somebody's just automating the stuff. And for me, that's just, a very easy just remove me from your list and if you don't remove me from your list then it's just i'm gonna mark you as spam or block you um it's it's as easy as that but yeah I, I like you're right people buy from people that they people buy from people people buy from people that they like um and yeah it's just i don't it's just not my it's never been my approach and and like tactic to to try to like force stuff you know down to people like i want to try to educate them make sure it's a right fit because i think it's the same way in brokerage like and Matt, I mean, I know you know this too, but you, if you were to like call a shipper, they just like open the door immediately for you on day one, and they and they let you in. Probably not going to be like the longest lasting relationship that you had. hundred percent. You know, like from my experience in brokerage and with the reps that I worked with, the ones that took the longest to get in with, that's exactly how it's going to be for your competition that's calling them. You know, if it takes a long time. Um, because of how difficult it is and you know like they have their guard and their walls up or just because like they are actually having you know good service um so i i don't like i'm a big believer in, in that as well where you know those relationships are are well worth are well worth the wait and so um yeah it's just it's just being patient being long term uh, i think being patient but also i don't know patiently persistence i don't know if that's a word or a phrase but i guess that that would be you know part of the part of the strategy 
Yeah. I mean, oh, I I guess, strategy. It goes with sales for this stuff. Like you're selling someone a product that they're going to use for the next one year, 10 years, 20 years. Like we're not out here, you know, selling a new pair of shoes on a street corner. And Correct. I think uh, forcefully trying to sell people day one, like we're selling, you know, the ability to move your freight for the next 10 years. Or we're selling you the CRM for the next 10 years. Like, I mean, these aren't products that need to like be sold for a quick buck. Like these are partnerships. These are things you want to look at long term to, to add into your daily routine. Uh, I think, you know, you can't forcefully sell a, a relationship. Like, like you said at Tesla, you're selling a dream, man. You're selling the, the future. You're selling an idea. Like, I think that's kind of the business that we're all in, uh, in this industry where, I mean, like I said, it's not a pair of shoes, man. This isn't a quick sell. This, this is Correct. complicated stuff. These are, you know, complex topics and, you know, how is it going to benefit my day to day? Like, you know, CRMs are obviously making companies millions in revenue, billions, who knows, you know, for, for some companies. Correct. So, I mean, it's not like a simple product to, to just go be like, Hey, buy this right now. Like a three minute phone yeah. call. I will say too, I mean, talking about just kind of like the buying experience, um, one of the biggest things that I learned at Tesla, and I don't know if you guys are really familiar with their, their buying model, their purchasing model, but it's not your traditional car buying experience. They don't, they don't allow you to haggle and negotiate the price is the price. And that was really, I will say that was actually one of the more difficult parts sometimes in trying to, to sell people um, and for them to buy the car was because they always thought that they could get a deal. And I would just have to tell them all the time, like you can call the store in North Carolina or the store in Nashville or Atlanta or Florida, and they're going to tell you it's the same exact price because that was just the precedent that Elon set. And I will say that was something that I really took into consideration for sales dash because I noticed with software vendors when I was, you know, in brokerage and then just kind of outside of it, the tiered plans kind of, you know, I get it. It's a business and, but like the tiered plans were a little bit frustrating where, there's like one feature that's in the next plan up and then it's four times the cost and you just need that one thing, but you got to pay four X more, eight X more, however much it may be. Um, so I don't know, like I, I paid close attention to that stuff and, you know, not locking people into long-term contracts. I just approach it from, if it works for you, great. Like we give you an option to opt into an annual plan and you can save 20%, but you can always just go monthly. And if it doesn't work after a month or two months or three months, like you can walk away, cancel, take your data with you. And so I, I, I think that also kind of creates like an early trust as well, um, because I just put myself in their seat every single time that if I was to buy, how do I try to make it as easy, seamless as possible, hopefully less risk. Um, and that at the end of the day, I believe long term will give me more, you know, opportunities at bat or just, you know, chances to build relationships with customers. So um, I don't I, I don't know, like I, I it's just always one of those things where, you know, when people call it in a quarter or in a month. And then all of a sudden this massive discount comes. Um, gosh, like that just, uh, those are days that I just, yeah, it's just not, it's just not, it'll never be a part, I think of, you know, how I, how I lead the company. Have you had any pushback on like, you know, obviously brokers sometimes are negotiators negotiating with carriers all, all the time. Have you ever had any of these, you know, potential customers try to negotiate your price or say, yeah. hey, I'll do it if you do X, Y, Z or get into some awkward conversations like that. Yeah, I did two hours ago. Oh, right. um, yeah, it happens every now and then, but most of the time not because most people, if you know the prices for most CRMs, most people know that ours is really affordable. So most of the time it's over 90% of the time, it's not a conversation, which is a good thing. And that was kind of strategic in our pricing or whatever. Um, but most of the time it's not a conversation, but yes, every now and then people will, 
we'll try to see if there's an opportunity to haggle or whatnot. And I just tried to already click that into the annual plan. This Did you is get the customer uh, from two hours ago. And they signed it up. We'll see. It's a, I, this one. This one's been a, a, a long conversation. It's but you know a, what's cool to me about pricing for you? Like, I mean, I'm like, I don't know if this is actually how it works, but you guys kind of strip down the the things that are in the CRM to focus it on free brokerage. That's going to allow you, you know, less development, less this, less upkeep. Like, correct. that's going to allow you to price yourself more competitively. Because correct. You're offering less, but you know, it's like the the Charmin. Less is more sometimes. You only need these couple tools to do freight brokerage. So why are you going to go out and develop those 38 other tools for real estate deals and all this? I Correct. mean, that's going to factor in, you know, that's how you're able to give, you know, a better price. So I think that's really smart. I mean, you can't offer less and then try to charge more. It doesn't make sense that way. So. Yeah, exactly. No, I, that was a, a pretty much all the logic. And when it came to just pricing and trying to figure out, you know, where do we think that we should be positioned? Um, and a lot of it was, you know, especially for those larger teams, um, you know, from a lot of our research that, especially if you're a team that's probably like 10 plus people, you're probably going to save like around at least 60%, you know, potentially even yeah, more, man. uh, compared, compared to what they, compared to what they offer. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing like, Hey, I'm the best CRM for this task. And here's a bunch of savings. Cause you're buying only what you need for this task. Like. I just think that's like genius, genius marketing, genius way to, to start something, you know. You say genius now, but I made those mistakes for like two and a half years. Yeah, yeah you know, just, of just like targeting everybody. Yeah. But that, that's the reason why you got to get started. Big, and I'm going to make mine bigger. Like. <laughs> exactly. I, I yeah. think it's people don't look at it with cost too, like the same way, you know, shippers talk about the cheapest price, you know, always isn't, you know, isn't the best. Like there's added, you know, added services you know, or added costs. I mean, I think with the nice thing about, you know, your, your product is like if someone's using Excel or whatever they're using, there's only limited amount of time in the day, especially if you're a cradle to grave rep. So if you have to take time and do all that in Excel and go through some messed up TMS, imagine how many less calls, emails, relationships you're able to build where, you know, their time, you know, and the ratio, I mean, they could pay for it within itself, you know, with just getting more customers so 100 percent. that's the cool part about it and that's what i enjoy about it is that you know one new shipper relationship can change a lot for you you know if it's if it's the right one um and and i mean so much of it i think is just finding a way to stay consistent like i'm a one of one of my little i'm a big believer in consistency over intensity and so i think so many people will get motivated and they're like oh i'm gonna make 100 calls today but like you'd actually be better off just saying, you know what, I'm going to do 20, 30, 40 a day. And I'm just going to do them every single day because you're going to build better skill versus getting super excited one day, going way too hard. And then the next day you're just burned out or, you know, two days later, you're just burned out um, because like you just put, I don't know, sometimes almost like too much. It's not necessarily sustainable, I think is really what it is. Um, and I've also seen a lot of, and heard from a lot of people in brokerage where, you know, they start off like just running and gunning and then it just it just continues to like dip and taper down as time goes on when it comes to their activity and their prospecting um and i'm even keeping that in mind for myself um you know as i i grow the company like there's a part of me that enjoys doing it just as like a you know sales professional because i'm still kind of tapped into like how hard is it to sell b2b or to like actively sell 
in today because of you know how big social plays a game in today's world or because there's so many automation tools and getting into somebody's inbox is really tough or you know what the approaches are you know from a cold call like i i like to be in tune with those things from me trying and doing them um and i and i think that kind of helps in connecting with you know our potential customers because like i'm i'm sort of living that just in a different way where like i'm selling to brokerages you know but for them you know and selling to shippers um I, for me it's just i don't know there's, there's a part that i enjoy just like being in the, in the game of it oh definitely well if anyone has any uh we've actually had i don't know more people than i thought to be watching live if anyone has any questions i know someone commented you know what's up before we uh wrap it up if anyone who's watching live has anything they want to ask um probably now would be the time I mean, I think I'm just going to laugh forever at the fact that you've built this tool and you use it to sell this tool. Like, <laughs> like I think I'm just, that's always going to be in the back of my mind. Like, and, yeah. Uh, that, that movie, man, that movie is called Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I know you guys have probably both seen it. Like, I, I have I not. So. I, no, I have not seen it. Okay, you guys should both watch it since you're both salesmen and it's a movie about selling. It's like akin to Boiler Room. It's like a salesman. Is it on Netflix? I don't want to tell you how I watch my movies in Serbia. So <laughs> I don't know how you guys are going to find it, man. I'm sure you can rent it off Apple TV store for like two bucks. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. I do, I do like cool. watching that stuff. Cool to meet you. Cool to talk to you. I mean, like, you're Absolutely. a super calm guy. Um, if I ever get into the need for a CRM, I mean, you've you've sold me on you as a person and you as like, you know, uh running that business the idea behind it and i mean i think you, you've conveyed the message of like i'm not gonna push this on anybody like this is my software i believe in it you know this is my company i believe in it i think you should believe in it too but if you don't you know hey like that's that's up to you you know so yeah there's there's some more uh fresh approach on, on selling tech for sure i appreciate it yeah and that that's part of that is even you know, sell stuff that I'm learning. I'm always like really curious about how people how people do sell tech. Um, but no, I appreciate the uh, appreciate the feedback. I appreciate you guys hosting. This is this is fun. Like this is an easy conversation. It's just you know felt yeah, like a chill. just a hang yeah just a hangout conversation. But um, I, I feel like we covered some some really good topics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, man, we'll let you go. Thanks for coming on. Go watch Glenn Gary Glenn Ross uh, as a salesman. You'll you'll appreciate it more than I probably did. So. I will. I'll let you. I'll let you know what I think. Yeah, give me a show, man. All right. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, I mean, for our first tech tech type of person, man, that was great. Like, I mean, that guy's just. I a cool guy. You, I've never seen him around. I don't know how. Yeah. I saw he's pretty big on LinkedIn. I've never never kind of seen him out there. I mean, now I'm gonna be watching him like a hawk. So. I mean, if I, I mean, you, you know me, I'm very hesitant to bring tech people on the show, which is why we've done 31 episodes, but 30 episodes without one. But like Josh is fantastic. Dude, he didn't come in here to sell his product. To every, like that wasn't him just coming in here to sell us something. He came in here to teach us, you know, like his principles, how he started the, the business, his ideas and just overall, just a cool guy, like just a cool guy to talk to, you know? Yeah. No, the intent to sell this and only talk about this and only sell it and. I mean, that's kind of the approach, um, you know, like he, he just built a product he believes in. He's a cool guy. And I, I like that. That was a, a definitely a good episode. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, if you, we should have asked Josh too, but if you want to get a hold of him, um, he's big on LinkedIn, Josh Lyles or sale-crm.com, I believe. Um, we should have asked him. 
um, you know, the best ways to reach him. But if you send him a LinkedIn message, um, I guarantee he'll get back to you quickly. And um, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, who knows? We might, uh, uh, might do another uh, tech show with another uh, friend of mine. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll keep it live. Seems a couple people popped in and out. We'll see how it goes, man. But yeah, uh, I was surprised. We actually had, I mean, yeah, I think eight to 13 or six to 13 people in here the whole time, which isn't what we get during the day, but I was, some people obviously still watch at night. So. Yeah. I mean, I like the live thing, man. It just keeps everything super real. It keeps everything free flowing. And you know, if there is somebody that's watching, we saw somebody like, they're always free to comment. You never know who's sitting down. I saw our statistics. Some people watch us uh, on like a smart TV off YouTube. So you never know who's sitting around at their TV, you know, 7 PM wants to watch it. Yeah. I think it's cool to keep it this way for now. 100%. Well, uh, I'll talk to you uh, soon, and we'll uh, – yeah, it was a good show, and have a good weekend. Yeah, have a good weekend, bro. Take it easy. All right. Peace.